Alrighty, welcome to the Root Issues Podcast, where we're gathering around the table to bridge the generational gap and discuss the root issues of our cultures. I am Chris Henderson. Brian Matthew is coming back from Young Life Camp, and I'm sure he's going to have some great stories to tell us on the next podcast, but he won't be with us. But who I do have today is I've got Steve Woodrow. He is back from the mother country of Texas, and sitting next to me here is Cameron Wenzel, and Cameron brought the word. Now, I've known Cameron for a long time, done some projects with him, and he is passionate about God. He's passionate about Jesus, passionate about skiing, passionate about Aspen, and he is passionate about evangelizing, and he brought the word today. He's one of many who are coming up under Steve's discipleship and training to teach the Word. And he was given the pulpit this morning and spoke both the 8.30 and 10.30 service, and he says he's tired. I sure am. Yes, he is. And so I'm going to just, hey, Cameron, can you kind of recap to for some of our listeners who maybe didn't tune in on Sunday, um, kind of what you were teaching on? Yeah, so this morning we really broke down a, uh, an important verse in the Bible that is the beginning of the Romans road, and it's Romans 3.23, which says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's a tough message to hear, but it's a necessary message to hear to understand that everyone has sinned. No one is immune from sin and its consequences. And it's not like, well, I uh, haven't sinned this year or this week or, or ever, you know, we can make excuses. We can um, lie to ourselves saying that, oh, I'm not as bad as that guy. Yeah. But in the truth, be t- the truth be told, we've all sinned. And so f- from there, I broke down what have we actually fallen short of, and it's the glory of God. And we describe the glory of God as, as beauty because God has manifested one of the things as beauty. And then Really, it's really important for us to understand the Trinity yeah. and how each person in the Trinity played a role in your salvation and how there's no way a salvation could ever be accomplished outside of the Trinity. The mm-hmm. Father yeah. sent the Son, the Son died for our sins, and the Holy Spirit is given to help live us out, live yeah. it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cameron, I thought it was great. And uh, again, you know, just want to affirm your evangelistic gift, right, Mm -hmm. that that God has given you and that you uh, lead the way in this. And, you know, your title was the scariest thing (laughs) we've ever done. And uh, I I think it's true, right? We all, everybody, even if you have the gift of evangelism, it's it's scary. It's just kind of like public speaking. It's, it's, this is hard. And, and we, it's like we need to recover this right yeah. in our culture today and at a young age, oh, right? yeah. especially with our, our younger folks, is, is, boy, as soon as somebody comes to Jesus, the first thing you should be doing is talking to other people about yep. it. And that is, and we have this idea, I think, that, oh, that's something down the road or something. Mm-hmm. It should be like breathing, right, for us. And so we're behind. we got to catch up on that. And so I, I would just throw this this um, thing out here, Cameron, just kick us in. I know, Chris, you have <clears throat> something with the younger generations, but... And why, why do we find it so scary today? And how do we get over that hump, right? How do we get over the hump of, uh, of it being scary? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, a lot of times we start making excuses and we say, you know what? I'm too busy. Um, I, I have to go skiing. I have to make dinner. I have to pick up my kids. And we start going down the line of all these things, everything we can do other than evangelism. We actually run from it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we also have a fear of being rejected. People, people are like, you know what? If I go out there and, and speak Jesus and talk about the Lord, they're gonna—it's gonna come right back and backfire in my face. You know, there's a there's an actual fear 
yeah. of people looking at you and saying, "Geez, you're crazy. How yeah. can you how can you say that Jesus is Lord? How can you say that he died for my sins? I'm not I'm a sin. What the heck is that?" Yeah. You know, they uh sin, sin to a lot of people is a esoteric word. What does that mean? Who was sin? I mean, I'm people, most people think that they're good. Yeah. You know, I'm fine. I don't I don't need God. So, we have to meet people where they're at. We have to um have conversations. You know, I think getting over the hump there's three simple strategies that I talked about in this uh, message this morning, and the first one is ask people. Yeah, ask people good questions, simple questions. What do you believe about God? Do you have any spiritual beliefs? Mm-hmm. Do you believe there's life after death? Just simple questions. Have conversations. Listen to what they say, and then people love to talk about themselves. There's a lot of things going on in this world. There's been a it's been a bumpy road with COVID. Ask people how this year and a, yeah. the last year and a half have been. Let them <laughs> let them vent to you the difficulties and the frustrations of the past couple of years, and that's going to bridge gaps. Listen to people. That is is a great way to open the door. And then you know sometimes when we're telling our gospel story, our experience with Jesus, we start with the mundane. Yeah. I grew up in a Christian home. Boring. Immediately, people tune out. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately, they're like, "What? I don't. I don't want to hear that you got your faith from your mom and dad. They want to know why it's your own. What Jesus did in your life. So tell a story of of how he rescued you from from depression or sin or addiction. Give them give them insight onto who Jesus is for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that's great, Cameron. Just to add to that, I think somebody might listen to you know what you're saying there and feel like, well, evangelism is like this event. It's something I have to, I'm going to not do this, ski or whatever, and I'm going to do evangelism. Uh, when mm-hmm. it, so, talk to to us about how do we get a, a mind shift from evangelism is not an event; it's yeah. actually a lifestyle. In other words, yeah. it should go along, and it's a matter of being present. Of Lord, yeah. Lord I'm available in my yeah. skiing, in my workplace, yeah. in my talk to us about that evangelism, not as an event, but actually as a lifestyle. Amen. That's such a great yeah. point. You know, I think one of the greatest places to share the gospel is at airports or on uh-huh. an airplane because you sit down <laughs> on that plane and they. Uh, they are not going anywhere. It's a yeah. captive it's e- audience. Yeah, yeah, it, re- it really is. People are uh, prone to do two things on an airplane. They're either going to put their headphones on and zone out, sleep, or you can engage in conversation with the people around you. Um, this one time I got onto an airplane, and I was determined to tell this lady about Jesus that was sitting next to me. And I started off by just friendly banter. Where are you from? Where are you going? What are you doing? And she tells me this story that she's headed into a – a difficult situation. Someone in the family has just died. Mm. It's very, very sad. She's anxious. She's hurting. And over the course of the flight, I said, well, do you know Jesus? What's your, where do you stand with God? And she said, yeah, I know Jesus. He's the God of, he's the God of, uh, I know the God of the Bible and, you know, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. So great. That's where she is now. But then I had a chance to, to pray with her. Yeah. And give her hope that when she hits the ground, God is going to empower her not only to get through these circumstances, but to be a blessing to her family. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If, if I never would have sat on that plane and said, you know what? Here I am for two hours, Lord, on this flight. Use me. I'm your vessel. I'm available. Like you said, it's a it's a lifestyle choice. You can get on the gondola this month and this month of Christmas, whether you're sitting down uh, next to a Jew, a Muslim, or, or anybody else, and say, what is Christmas all about? Do you even do you even know why we celebrate Christmas? Yeah, totally. 
I mean, yeah, I think or just when you look ask at, them yeah. just simply, yeah. hey, what's yeah, this Christmas time? What does it Christmas mean to you? Exactly. What does this season mean to you? Whatever exactly. it is. Yeah. You know, and, and I we, think that's yeah. great. I think yeah. that's great, Cameron. I, I just think, boy, that's what we have to shift, right? It's not an event. It's not something oh, I go out and do, though it can be like a lot of things. But it first and foremost, it's who we are. Amen. We're salt and light. So mm-hmm. wherever I go, whether it's mm-hmm. a plane, whether it's to my workplace. Or wherever, to the grocery store. Yeah. Hey, Lord, I'm, you're with me. I'm available. Yeah. I'm, I'm available, yeah. right? And we see Jesus modeling this availability right for us. Mm-hmm. Chris, talk yeah. to I us mean, about... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just scribbling away and paying attention. But yeah, like, I mean, when we look at it, like, you know, you know, you, you said, what's the riskiest or scariest thing you've ever done? You know, and then that just capsulated because one of the things that's really tagged the Gen Z and it's in the culture. And one of the things I want to stress is like, if you're like me and you're in your late 50s and Gen Z is so far from your radar, it's in the culture. And so if Gen Z is drinking from it and it's what's being pushed on the younger audience it's in the atmosphere for us as well and so one of the things they've noted about gen z is they are not risk takers they play it safe like gen z has got like the highest stats of they will always buckle their seatbelt. they will do what is right they're they, they they're conformist and so when you think about like as the world puts more authoritative measures on us they're more compliant at times and so they're just not risk takers. And then when you say like, oh, you know, but sharing your faith should be seen as a risk. It should be reaching out there, you know, for, for them. Like I think of my daughter, Ambler, and I'm thinking like, oh, no, she's not taking that risk. I mean, she might take a risk on a three-pointer if she feels she's got it in a basketball game, but she's not going to do it every time. Right. And so, yeah, and so there's this they want to play it safe in their environment and do what they know they can achieve. Now, they, they, they believe they can be great achievers, but yet taking that risk and sharing the faith. And so I think, Steve, you hit it right on the head and what Cameron was talking about in just the ask, listen, and then speak, you know, model of just that it is. It's a daily opportunity. It's something that you just come. It's not an event to prepare for. It's an event that happens every day and every opportunity. And that's something they can buy. That's something they can kind of take. And then when I look at, like, this thing, this is what we miss. We make evangelism an event. We make, excuse me, we make it an event. And one of the things that we're looking at within the Gen Z is we're trying to process how can we push them further is the whole concept of deployment. Like on this date, at this time, we're going here and you're being deployed. Not, hey, we're just teaching Sunday school, pay attention, you know. And so, yeah, we've got an awesome trip coming up to the Middle East, hopefully for spring break, where it's going to be a deployment date. Like, this day, we're trekking in the Himalayas, and you're going to have the opportunity to share your faith. So this word deployment that yeah. you just said, you guys are going to the Middle East? Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's far, uh, far, far East. Maybe Nepal. Far, Nepal. Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know geography. Asia. Crap. Let's, yeah, just, Asia. So Let's say Asia. When you say that word deployment, yeah. what happens before deployment? Training. Lots of it. Lots of it's it. It's going to be hard. Yeah. Grinding. Grinding. Early mornings, late nights. Yeah. Training. So... Not that, teaching. That training is is the action. Yeah. Right. That's that's what we have to get ready for is is deployment, mm-hmm. and we can't be ready to deploy unless we're trained and ready to go. Yeah. And and what we've been looking at is what's the concept? Because you know we've been just kind of studying in in high school and in our breakfast study just on worldview, truth versus lie. What does God say? What does the world say? What's the thief say? But we're trying to switch it from just we're not teaching you. We're training you. We're training you how to live and succeed in life because God cares about your life 
and he wants you to succeed. He wants you to glorify him. And so, you know, if you just teach him, it's just blah, blah, blah. You know, I've memorized my verse and I got that verse, but I don't know how to apply it. And so when we talk about deployment, we talk about we're training you to be prepared to go live as God wants you to. And when you look at evangelism, I mean, it's the moment you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you've been deployed. You've been deployed to go and tell of the hope that you have. Always be ready to give an account of that hope. And our only hope is Jesus. Well, and I think back to our lifestyle discussion is you, it's not going to become lifestyle, right, until you, uh, without the training and the deployment. Mm-hmm. So those are yeah. all just disciplines and training, yeah. right, to get it to where this is just natural. This is yeah. what we do, right? And most people are not just natural at it. They need yeah. the training and the, and the deployment. So it settles into a lifestyle. And that's just spiritual maturity. We oh, can yeah. say that about any issue of holiness, any issue of becoming like Christ. Yeah. Is we need the training. We need the equipping. We need the discipline. So that shows up more regular, right? It's, yeah. it's, who, it's what we become, right? And so then we, we can become. tag that, too, on top of you can look at deployment training as discipleship. Yeah, being serious in accountability with a group of people saying we need to be better. Absolutely. Chris, talk to us about uh, apatheticism or apatheism. 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 So it's apathy, but they put the ism on it because that makes it a religion or a belief or a faith. You know, apatheism is just this context of I understand that Jesus Christ paid for my sins, so therefore I don't have any sins. So therefore I'm no longer really working towards making myself holy. And so we see that a lot like within the high school, not so much in the middle school yet, you know, like they they get excited when we tell them we're going to do something in middle school youth group. But in high school it is, it's this wave of just, you know the truth, but you're not doing anything with it. You may be in your own devotionals, you may be in your own prayer, but you're missing the gap on, it's like Satan stole the motivation for, I want to do better. I mean, some of my guys and some of my girls, they can be extremely in love with Jesus, but yet they do not see, like, where's the transformation? Right. And, and you know, like, if, if I'm stuck on something, I start to get anxious. Like, all right, God, we got to get over this. I got to get, get off of this and on to the next thing. Well, that anticipation and anxiety doesn't really exist in them, per se. They just fall into apathyism, like, oh, well, that's just the way it is. Jesus loves me. And so there's mixed into that apathyism is that, you know, like, well, if I was the only one, Jesus would have died. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's not true, but I'm saying that that lie means that you have so much value and so much worth that it's okay if you're still messed up. It's okay if you're stuck in that sin pattern. Yeah, and I, obviously that apathyism uh, is eroding, right, the need to evangelize, the well, need to no. share, right? Yeah. And, uh so, Cameron, maybe speak into that here. Uh, for him, this applies to all generations, really. Uh, but how does active evangelism, the, 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 as you, you know, the, the thing you mentioned, ask and to listen, to tell, and, you know, uh, being the salt light, uh, being a willing, asking God, Lord, give me opportunity to share you. How is that going to impact this apathism? So, what comes to mind when you ask that question for me is we have an opportunity here on earth to build treasure in heaven. And when we're apathetic to our, our, our calling and our life as a follower of Jesus and sit on the couch and let the days and years pass us by without ever doing anything for Christ and stepping out and risking and loving, radically loving others, we are missing out on not only joy, mm-hmm. but we're missing out on building treasure. Yeah. 
when when you love others and they accept Jesus and their lives are transformed, you get to be a part of something so incredible here on earth. Yeah. But there's also an eternal reward for that. Mm-hmm. Every seed you plant, every word you speak for the kingdom of God has eternal value. Yeah. The word says that the reaper and the sower will rejoice together mm-hmm. in John chapter 4. So whether you get to uh, be a part of that harvest and the reaping and the incredible joy there, but you also get to share in the joy as a sower. Mm-hmm. So just stepping out, showing up, it it pays dividends um, spiritually in this yeah. life and the life to come. Absolutely. I mean, and I mean, I, I would say like apathyism takes that away. Like, you know, it's like, you know, when I die, I get to go to heaven. But right now I'm going to experience a good life too. And there's still that lie that experiencing the good life here can't be done so much by being like, you know, 100% dove in. I have to forsake that because that would not be what my Lord and Savior. And so apathyism definitely kind of trims off like there isn't the Lord and Savior on the cap. Mm-hmm. And the internal, like thinking of eternity, Gen Z is very like short-lived and they're thinking like what's next week, what's, you know. Tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I've been watching some on the um, – the Windsor dynasty, the, the the royalty of England, you know, and, and how they say that they never lived for a year. They lived for 50 years. They lived for 100 years. They were like, how do we keep the monarchy alive? We're the last monarchy. How do we keep it alive? And so their vision was so forward thinking, and yeah. we've lost that. We yeah. don't have eternal vision. Yeah, I think it's the live in the now. Yeah, I, absolutely. Type of, of thing. And uh yeah, I, I think the other thing about that whole apathism, you know, uh, thing that we need to, to really go after is, you know, this this idea that, that there's not consequences. And, yeah. you know, Cameron, you already mentioned this, but I think, you know, we're not going to get any, and this goes for across the board, I think, for any spiritual discipline, or any movement of are we advancing and becoming more like Christ— we're going to, if we don't make some changes, we're going to get the same thing we were mm-hmm. getting, yeah. you know? Uh, and so that, and the Christian life is always, and you know, you talked about this morning, Cameron, these steps of faith, we have to step out, right? And in uh, and, and 101 should be sharing our faith. And if there is, I just know in my life, if I'm sharing my faith, there's a dynamic there that can, yeah. nothing else can replace that. And there's just that blessing that comes with being obedient to be yeah. a witness for what Christ has done in my life, you know? Some final thoughts, Cameron, anything? You know, another thing that happens if we're apathetic, speaking to the Gen Zers here, is you're going to miss out on incredible growth. Yeah. I think of some of the times of the greatest growth in my life is when I stepped out for Jesus. Mm-hmm. When, when I was, um, I think it was sophomore or junior year of college, <clears throat> I was a part of uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and it was a huge, huge um, ministry on the campus that I was yeah. at. And they literally send... 250 to 350 students on spring break missions and we went to new orleans yeah and my team they split us up into teams of 10 or 15 people got to go into youth um prisons in new orleans youth jails and preach the gospel inside youth jails wow now here i am as a university student stepping into a jail for youth in in the inner city new orleans locked in a cell with these guys do you think we had to be dependent on God? Do you think yeah. we needed him to speak through us? So when I, when we set foot in there, all of a sudden, my faith became real. Yeah. It became something that I couldn't just sit back. It was living. It was active. And 
and it began to take off. It's called deployment. Yeah, it was, we, you have to step out and watch your faith grow. And it's incredible when you do. What happens when you do? God shows up in a huge way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, anything last from you, Steve? No, yeah. no, I think that's it. That dependent. Without that, we don't yeah. grow in our dependent, where we see yeah. God move. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right? And this is back to the risk-taking. Faith is yeah. risk-taking. Risk-taking, yeah. There is no faith without risk-taking, yeah. right? And, and so we can't live the life of faith. We're to walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, without risk taking, yeah. it's just part of the equation. So we do have to fit that back in here into uh, uh, into our discipleship for sure. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, hey, we want this to be a midweek jolt for you. If you're listening and you want to share, like, and pass it on, just to jolt us so that we're always just looking to be dependent on God. Because when we're dependent on God, then we know we're in the right place. And so, hey, if you ever have any comments, questions, or things that you would want us to dig in here at Root Issues, you can email us at rootissues at ccassman.com. Thanks so much for tuning in, and until next week, have a good one.